The Productive Woman, Episode 396. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, welcome. Welcome back. If you have been here before, welcome if you're new. Thank you so much for joining me. This week, I will be talking about some things that I believe with respect to living a meaningfully productive life, a life that matters as I define it. You'll find links and additional information in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 396. This episode is brought to you by Calm. It's not a particularly brilliant observation to say that life can be stressful and stress over the long term is not good for our health or our productivity. One way we can manage stress is to establish and nurture a habit of quieting our mind and body, even if it's just a few minutes each day. And that's why I'm so pleased to partner with Calm, the number one mental wellness app, to give you the tools that improve the way you feel. With Calm, you can reduce stress and anxiety through guided meditations, you can improve focus with curated music tracks, and you can rest and recharge with Calm's imaginative sleep stories, and they offer those for both children and adults. They even offer their new daily movement sessions specifically designed to relax your body and uplift your mind. And if you go to calm.com slash TPW, you can take advantage of a special offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription. That's the one I use and they add new content every week. So you never get bored with the resources available to you. Over a hundred million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds. And I'm happy to be one of them. Calm is ready to help you stress less, sleep more, and live a happier, healthier life. For me personally, there are days in my law practice when I have, you know, multiple closings going on at the same time and, and too much to do in the time I have available. I'm sure you have experienced days like that as well. Well, for me on days like that, I can find myself extremely stressed and tense, which makes it hard to think clearly and focus on the task at hand. The most important thing I can do in those moments is pause, take a breath, and slow my racing mind down. Calm's guided meditations are perfect for that. I can do a very quick search for meditations that are designed specifically to help with stress, like the five-minute managing overwhelm meditation, or even a two-minute finding focus or break the stress cycle meditation. I find those, I can spend just a couple of minutes getting recentered and, and, well, calm so I can get back to work. For listeners of the show, Calm is offering that exclusive offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription. Just go to calm.com slash TPW. That's calm, C-A-L-M.com slash TPW for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. Once again, that's calm.com slash TPW. 
All right, let's get right into our topic of this week. I'm I titled it a manifesto for a life that matters. And a manifesto is defined in the dictionary that I consulted as a public declaration of policy and aims. It is most often used in the context of organizations or even political campaigns. But for me, the way I'm using it, uh, as I've been thinking about this over the last week or so, is as a statement of some of the things I believe are crucial components for a life that matters as I define it. Now, I, we all get to define for ourselves what constitutes a life that matters. So this week I'm talking about um, the things that matter to me. And notice that I call it a manifesto, not the manifesto. These are things I believe, and in sharing them with you this week, I'm not trying to tell you that you must believe the same. That's not the purpose of this, but I hope that by sharing some of the thoughts that I've been having about what constitutes a life that matters, I hope that will inspire you to think about and even write down what you believe and create your own manifesto for a life that matters as you define it. So with that in mind, I'll share uh, basically, I think, about 10 things that I believe are important to me in creating a life that matters as I define it. And the first one kind of goes to what I just said about it being a manifesto and not the manifesto. Number one is I have my beliefs and my opinions about various things, including, you know, the things I'm going to share with you today. Um, Some of them are very strong opinions and beliefs, but I always keep in mind the very real possibility that I might be wrong. And for that reason, I need to listen to other people, whether it's reading, uh, watching, or talking with someone, I need to listen to understand, not to refute. And I think I mentioned this maybe last week as as something important. Um, I, I this is something I struggle with because like everybody, I think, or like most of us, sometimes I'm in a conversation with someone maybe about something where we disagree and I'm thinking about how I'm going to correct them or correct their thinking instead of trying to understand why they believe what they believe. But if you keep in mind that whatever you're discussing, whatever uh, strong opinion you may have about something, the possibility, the very real possibility that you might be wrong, or in my case, that I might be wrong, it makes it all the more important to pay attention to what I'm listening to and listen to understand the thinking, not to try to refute it and prove how it's wrong. I saw a cartoon this week that had a great quote in it that's relevant to this. Uh, in the cartoon, the, the legend or the little caption was, most people don't really want the truth. They just want constant reassurance that what they believe is the truth. I certainly see that in the world around me, and I see it in myself as well. And I don't want that to be true of me. And so I I try to keep in mind always the possibility that whatever strong opinion I have about something may be wrong, and I need to listen and learn from other people. So that's number one. Number two is I believe it's impossible 
to be happy if my focus is on what I don't have instead of what I do. And this is true as to material possessions, as to skills and talents, as to physical attributes, and as to options. If I'm always focused on what I don't have, instead of recognizing the things that I do have, I'm never going to be happy. And this has been a hard one lesson over the course of my life, because I have always had a tendency to have my eyes kind of out there on the things that I don't have, um, whether it's, you know, my, my own physical abilities, my skills, my talents, the, the possessions I do or don't have, or the, the options that I do or don't have. And it's, it's just simply not possible to be happy. And so I try as part of my efforts to make a life that matters to me, uh, to focus on the things that I do have and to be grateful for those. Uh, I read a quote this week from Eckhart Tolle uh, that I thought this is exactly true. He says, all stress is caused by being here, but wanting to be there. And wherever here is or there is for me, when I am stressed, it's almost always because instead of where I am, I want to be somewhere else, whether the circumstances or the situation. We are stressed when we are here, but we'd rather be somewhere else. And so learning to be present in the moment that I'm in, instead of wanting to be in a different moment, has been really important to me to, to learn to focus on what I have in, instead of focusing on what I don't have. The third item on my manifesto has to do with what it means to be an adult, to be mature. And I was thinking about how to try to say this And I ran across an old Dear Abby column that just articulated it so well for me that I thought I'd just quote it. And this is what the column said. This is maturity, to be able to stick with a job until it's finished, to do one's duty without being supervised, to be able to carry money without spending it, and to be able to bear an injustice without wanting to get even. And I just love the way she said this in this column, because that kind of pins it all down very clearly for me. Uh, Those things constitute maturity. It's not about age. It's not about even experience. It's about being able to do these things, to do the right thing, even if nobody's watching, even if nobody else cares. So that's number three in my manifesto. Number four is this. My life today is the result of choices I made yesterday and the day before and 10 years ago and 10 minutes ago. And if I don't like where I am today, I can make different choices to change the trajectory of my life. And I do really strongly feel this. Now, this is not to say that everybody you know, has the same options. There is a difference between options and choices. I believe that my life today is the result of the choices I've made in the past. And that to me is good news. It's not a matter of, of, of blame or feeling bad because I've, you know, imposed this on myself if I don't like what it is. What it means is if I don't like 
my current situation, I can make different choices and change my life. And it, this goes to this, the difference between options and choices. An option to me is a thing and a choice is an action. We don't all have the same options. We, we might have different options because of our environment, because of the way we grew up, because of, you know, any number of things, but we all have choices and sometimes our choices limit our options. For example, I've had conversations with my kids about this. If you focus and do well in school, you know, I would tell them in high school, um, then, and you get good grades, then you'll have more options when it comes to the next stage in your life. And so for me, I chose to work pretty hard and get good grades in high school. That gave me more options later in life when it came to colleges and to earning scholarships to help pay for them. I worked hard in college to, um, to do well, to, to get good grades there. And that gave me more options after college, uh, ultimately to, in terms of the law schools that I could get accepted to and the scholarship funds that they would make available for me. So sometimes our choices, uh, can expand our options or limit them. Uh, but I do believe the truth of my life today is the result of the choices I've made in the past. And therefore, if I'm not happy where I am, if I don't like where things are today, I can start to make different choices and have a different life tomorrow. Number five in my manifesto for a life that matters is disagreement isn't hate. Hate is hate. It seems like often conversations take place in kind of the public arena that express an opinion that if you disagree with someone, you are hating them. I don't believe that. I don't believe disagreement is hate. Hate is hate. Uh, and a safe space isn't one where no one disagrees with me. It's a place where I can disagree without hatred. So I can love someone and still disagree with something they say or do. But on the other hand, I cannot inspire someone to love by spewing hate at them. And this is something I work really hard on to be able to disagree with other people without hating them. Uh, as I've said before, no one's mind has ever been changed by someone standing at a distance and throwing rocks at them. If there is someone who is doing or saying things that I don't like or that I disagree with, even vehemently disagree with, the best way to have an influence is to have a relationship with that person. I'm more willing to listen to people who I believe care about me uh, if they're telling me that I'm wrong than if they just say, I'm being hateful. This is a really important concept for me that I have been thinking about a lot. We need to learn to disagree without being hateful. We need to learn to accept correction. I need to learn to accept correction or the opinions of other people without dismissing them as being, um, you know, hateful. Number six in my manifesto is the only way to get through life without constant misery is to extend grace to each other and to ourselves. 
That's why I say that at the end of every episode. And this goes directly back to the the uh, number five that I was just talking about. We need to learn, I need to learn to extend grace to other people, those I disagree with, those who do things I don't like, um, those who I don't understand. And I also need to learn to extend grace to myself. And so what does this mean? What does it mean to extend grace to each other? To me, it means to give the other people the benefit of the doubt and to assume the best until proven otherwise. We tend, uh, you know, I, in this episode, I, I guess I'm mostly talking, trying to talk about what I believe uh, rather than point fingers at anybody else. And so I'll say it in, in terms of what I think. It is easy to, to interpret the actions and the words of people we don't like in the worst possible light, and yet uh, interpret the words and actions of people we do know and love in the best possible light. What I mean by that is when someone we've decided we don't like, no matter what they do, even if they do something that's objectively a good thing, we can tend to assume there must be some selfish or evil motive. And I think of politicians in this case, you know, when, when someone on the other side of an issue does something uh, good, we tend to be skeptical and assume that they're doing it for some you know, hidden evil motive. And yet when someone we love or someone we agree with does or says something that uh, appears to be wrong or bad, our tendency is to assume there's a reasonable explanation for it. Well, she didn't mean it that way. Or, well, she did this thing, but she was under unusual stress or whatever. And so what I want to do, or what's part of my manifesto is to give everybody the benefit of the doubt, keeping in mind that we never know what's going on in someone else's heart or mind. Uh, all we know is what they put out there in the, in public. And this is true of, you know, public figures and the people that we know personally. We can't really know what's going on in their heart. And so for me, extending grace means when someone does something questionable or even, you know, apparently wrong or says something that sounds pretty bad, uh, give them the benefit of the doubt. Assume the best. Assume, even with people I disagree with, that maybe they didn't mean it the way they said it and give them the benefit of that doubt. That's part of what it means to extend grace to each other for me. What it means to extend grace to myself is the same thing. Give myself a break. Uh, give myself grace for the mistakes that I make. I saw this great quote on social media recently uh, encouraging us to do this. This is what it said. Before your head hits the pillow tonight, remind yourself of the things you did right. Let go of the things you could have done better. Be patient with yourself and remember that big things are achieved not all at once, but rather one day at a time. And to me, that's a perfect um, statement of what it means to give grace to yourself. We tend to be pretty hard on ourselves. I know I do. 
And I'm trying to learn to, to lighten up a little bit, ease up on myself and give myself grace. And that kind of leads into number seven on my manifesto. And, and, and it's the, and it's something that helps me to extend grace, remembering this, that I really believe everyone is doing the best they can with the resources they have at the moment. And that includes me. And by resources, I mean, not just money and, and stuff, but, uh, emotional resources, mental and psychological resources, uh, all of those things. We, we do the best we can with what we have available to us at the moment. For example, I wish I'd been a better mother when my children were younger. I wish I'd been more patient. I wish I'd yelled less. I wish I had done more I don't know, special memorable things with them. This is, however, just one example of where I need to extend grace to myself and recognize that I did the best I could with the emotional and other resources I had at the time. As Maya Angelou used to say, when you know better, you do better. If I could go back and do it over again, I would do it differently, but that's not possible. And so all I can do is give myself a little grace, learn from the mistakes I made, and know that I did the best I could at the time. This is true of everybody, even the person who drives me the most crazy or the one who's doing the most awful things is doing the best he or she can at the moment, given the mental, emotional, psychological, and other resources available to them at the moment. Now, this doesn't mean there shouldn't be consequences for the awful things that people do. I, you know, I'm thinking of just recently, there've been some, some pretty terrible things in the news of that individuals have done. And it's really easy to dismiss those people as inhuman. Uh, but before I choose to hate someone or dismiss them as inhuman, I have to pause and consider the, the, the truth behind the statement, there but for the grace of God go I. Anybody is capable of almost anything given the right circumstances or, or I guess the wrong circumstances. The pe people that that make me crazy, the people that I disapprove of their actions are doing the best they can with what they have available to them. They should still, you know, when crimes are committed and terrible things are done, the consequences should follow, but that doesn't make them less than human. And, and to me, that's extending grace to them. They're doing the best they can. I have to recognize that, you know, looking back at that first item that I talked about uh, on this list of, you know, the very real possibility that I might be wrong, I might believe that I would never do X. But the truth is, I can't know what I might be capable of if my circumstances or background or experiences or whatever pushed me beyond my limits. And keeping that in mind helps me to extend grace to even the most terrible kinds of people, not excusing what they've done, but 
also not denying their humanity. And to me, that's important. Remembering that everybody has done the best they can, wish they could have done better, but that's that was the best they were capable of under the moment, uh, under the circumstances of the moment. Number eight, um, I love the way Elizabeth Gilbert articulates what is my number eight. She says, those of us who are warm and dry and safe and well-fed must show up for those who are cold and wet and endangered and hungry. She goes on in this quote to say, that's a rule of life. Every ethical and religious and spiritual tradition in the world agrees on that rule. And I do believe that rule applies. I think that's a, an important part of making a meaningfully productive life, a life that matters as I define it. Um, and to expand on that a little bit, I don't believe it's someone else's job to do this. I don't believe it's the government's job to do this. I believe it's my job. And so it's important to me, instead of looking at something like this and thinking of it as a rule for others or a sort of abstract rule for society as a whole, I need to think about how it applies to me. And to that point, it can be frustrating to me because it seems like such a big problem that there are people out there suffering. But I realize and I remind myself more than, you know, frequently, I can't help everyone, but I can help someone. And there are things, this has come up recently in our household, there are things we're in the process of trying to do that I'll talk about maybe later in the year, but the the point is when the the problem whatever the problem is the suffering in the world seems so overwhelming because so many people are suffering whether it's from homelessness or hunger or addictions or whatever the situation is it seems overwhelming and i can't help everybody but i can help somebody and that that's so important to keep in mind for me. I keep reminding myself that while I can't do, I can't solve the world's problems, I can help someone solve theirs. So to me, this is a really important component of a life that matters is showing up for the people who are suffering, even if it's just one person. And Similarly to that, or following on that, I guess, is item nine on my manifesto is it, my job in life isn't to make other people do good in the world. It's to do good myself. Now, I can maybe hope that by my example, when I try to do something good in the world, that will inspire someone else to do good as well. But it's not my job to look at everybody else out there and to look at things like Gilbert's quote and say, you all should be doing something about this. Uh, that's, that's not my role. That's not my job. It's my job is to look at myself and figure out what can I do in the world that's good. And finally, number 10 is I truly believe I, that while I cannot control my circumstances, most of the time I can't control my environment and I certainly can't control other people. I can control my own mind and 
my own emotions. I believe that nobody can make me feel anything I don't choose to feel. And this may be the hardest learned lesson in my entire life because most of my life, I believed the way I was feeling in any given moment was caused by somebody else because he didn't do that or she did that or, you know, they said that, whatever it was, and that made me feel X. I don't believe that anymore. It took me to well into my 50s to figure out that nobody is responsible for my feelings except me. And I can choose how to think about what other people do, either in a way that makes me feel miserable or in a way that makes me feel better or feel in a way that I can live with. So I things happen in life. I've experienced things that I don't like. I've uh, lived in environments that weren't, didn't, you know, I didn't feel happy about. And other people do things that I can't control, but I do believe I can control my own mind. And by controlling my thinking, I control my emotions. And that has made the biggest difference, I think, of, of anything in terms of my ability to make a life that matters, to, to live a meaningfully productive life. So those are my thoughts. A uh, little bit rambly, I guess, uh, but I've spent a lot of time thinking about these things over the last week or so, about what, what do I really believe about life, about myself, about my role in the world? And I wanted to share those with you. It just seemed like the right time. What I really want to know is, what do you think? What are your core beliefs about what constitutes a life that matters? Have you thought about that? Have you written some of these things down? I would love if you'd be willing to share one of those or maybe more than that. You can do that in the comments section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 396. Or you can post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page. Even better, if you're a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, this would be a great place for us to continue this conversation to encourage each other and maybe inspire each other to think more deeply about what it really means to live a life that matters, to make a life that matters. Because again, it's it, it, we can do that for ourselves. We can define it each for ourselves and then we can create it. Um, by our own efforts. Uh, and so if you have some thoughts on that, that you'd like to share in the group, I'd love to continue the conversation there. As always, if you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, you can do that by emailing your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. And I'd love to hear from you. Um, remember before we go that uh, if you'd like some help and, and encouragement in mastering your own thinking and in, in uh, calming your own mind and body, Calm is offering that exclusive offer of 40% off a premium subscription. Just go to calm.com slash TPW. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash T-P-W for 40% off unlimited access to their entire library. 
And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I hope you found something worthwhile in it. And I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, please extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. Matter.